Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. In 2011, girl group Little Mix broke a long-standing X-Factor curse by becoming the first group to win the singing competition. In the decade that followed, they went on to become one of the biggest girl groups worldwide, except in the United States, where Little Mix got little attention. Today we're talking about their 2020 single, Breakup Song. Did okay. I get the name of the song right? I hope I got the name it's of the song, song right. Which is funny because that, that was the one I was, I mean, yeah, that's the one I most know. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really? Of I mean, no, no. I okay. guess I know Black Magic, and I know yeah. Shout Out to My Ex. Okay, mm-hmm, is Shout mm-hmm. Out to My? Yeah, we'll talk about it. Well, um, yeah, yeah. So we we picked up the request line this week. What was that? What's the Missy Elliott lyric? Um, DJ, please. I'm on the request line. Request line. Did we? We did. Well, well, our friend Chris, listener to the podcast, said, "When are we doing Little Mix?" And um, you attempted. You decided you don't care. Um, <laughs> it's not that I don't care. I, I mean, well, I guess I did. I did say those words. Yes, yeah, so you texted me those words verbatim. <laughs> I, I just. You, you, do do you know now the four the names of the four founding members of Little Mix? Well, there's Perry, mm-hmm. Je- Jess, uh, something Jess. Mm-hmm. She's uh, the one who Jessie? left. Jesse. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Leanne, and I don't know who the third, fourth one is. That's the one we always Petra. Forget. I don't know. <laughs> nope, nope. It's Jade. It's Jade, Jade Thurwall. Oh, okay. Because because okay. Yes, I was thinking like Stone. See, Petra, City of Stone. Jade and Jade and Jesse look like they could be sisters. Okay. Yes, yes. Because I'm looking at their Spotify uh, cover page. I'm like, did she leave? And it's like, oh no, that's Jade. Oh, they just they just breaking news. They just um, changed their group photo. On Spotify today. Like, I think when Jesse unexpectedly left, it's like they had this poorly composed threesome photo of the three of them. And now they have like an official threesome photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they were they were finally able to uh, test negative for COVID and be in the same room and mm-hmm. uh, shoot that. Yeah, photo. it was very, very that. Because mm-hmm. the previous photo was three isolated photos of them composited i mean they could have been together but they're 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 composited so far apart from each other they're in like these very britney spears-esque sequin body suits like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're it's like one a big space two a big space and then three um but full disclosure like i don't really care about little mix that much either i care about them much more pop culturally like i followed um x factor uk the season that they won at least uh, in as much as I could from the United States, which was that like I could see like YouTube clips basically. Or yeah. Sometimes people would upload like full episodes from the UK to YouTube and I was able to watch it then. But by and large, like no one here really cares about Little Mix. Yeah. Like I like their music. Gay people know who Little Mix is. Uh-huh. That is true. I know. I know most of their singles listening t- to the full length Little Mix albums over this past couple of weeks i don't find that i'm gravitating towards a lot of their songs i really like the songs that i really like and then a lot of it is just kind of like i don't remember what i was yeah listening it's to. well yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy because i i think sometimes especially as you get further back because i was introduced to them i don't know maybe 2012 i guess that's their that was their debut that was like their, their first album. x-factor yeah. Debut. yeah 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 but it but it wasn't but it wasn't because i knew them we can get into it 
um when we yeah we can get into it because oh, um, oh oh do we need to have our warm-up conversation <laughs> we're not we're almost getting into it we uh, so wait, let me let me go through the checklist like so we introduced the idea that this is a request mm-hmm. um so g- lower your standards audience because oh. neither of us cares oh get out your melania trump jacket um i don't care do you <laughs> um um oh i because i we we talk a lot on this program in our in our kind of icebreaker conversations about the aging process we're getting older Mm. um we've fallen downstairs we've fallen in the street we've learned how to clean our toilets property at the age of 41 and you know my my second love well is Davy my first? Davy's my first love. Yeah. Um, Thank you. No, my mom is Hi, my Davey. first love. My family's my first love. Davy's my second love. Uh, third love. Uh, flop pop music. <laughs> <laughs> but so my fourth love. My fourth love is skincare. Right. Uh huh. I think as long as like we've known each other, like I've yes. always like just Addicted. been an enthusiast when it comes to taking care of my skin or like just trying out new stuff and trying out products and stuff. And turning the corner into forty. I'd say it actually happened around 38, 39 is the first time in my life that I started to notice like the seeming irreparable change to my skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we're Asians. So I think we're accustomed to the idea that we're going to look youthful a little longer. Yeah. Generally speaking. But yeah. inevitably, like we're going to turn into Yoda. Like we're. <laughs> it's just going to happen overnight too. It's going to happen overnight. Collagen production will cease. Our, our skin will unfurl itself from our skeletons and just, you know, collapse onto the floor. Um, <laughs> which is to say that for me, that process has seemingly started. You know, you hit that point where you wake up in the morning and you're kind of used to like maybe your skin looking dented or like... Um, pillow pillowcase marks yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff you get, you but like you're used to like your skin kind of bouncing back there's a bit of uh, buoyancy to it where mm-hmm. it, you know a couple hours later like you're back to looking as smooth as you know mm-hmm. a, pl- a plum or whatever um this has stopped for me and there are permanent kind of like signs of age happening i i also think of it as akin to the fact that like so i sleep on my side mm-hmm um, and you know, when you sleep on your side, it's like your, your, uh, your two, the two sides of your chest, your, your, your boobies, if you will, they kind of smush together and they crease in the middle. Right. Uh-oh. Um, I have, I now have like the permanent, like a permanent wrinkle. You have, you have crepey decolletage. It's not crepey quite yet. It just has a single defined crease from where I sleep. <laughs> Um, so that'll happen anyway. Anyway. Um, what was my point? Oh, we, we saw each other yesterday. This story is going somewhere, by the way, we Mm. saw each other yesterday, responsibly, socially distanced, um, outdoors. First time in a long time. First time in a long time to see each other in person. Just said, hang out. And you noticed how old I look? No, I got home. So we were sitting outside in the patio of your house for a couple hours. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got home and Davey was like, what happened to your neck? And I was like, what? And he's like, your neck is all red. And oh. so I don't know if you can see it on camera. It's still... Mm. Yeah, it's a little it's pink. Still, this is about 50% of where it was yesterday. Oh, wow. And we weren't even really in the sun. I was in the sun. You were not. I, I've been having... And I've been having these moments where like... I thought I had like a ringworm or something on oh. my neck, which is disgusting. But I, I'm saying that 
admittedly, because I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> but I, because I was getting these little hot spots on my neck hmm. for the past like week or two. And yeah, just yesterday I came home and basically the entire front of my neck is just splotchy and red. Yesterday was much more red. And um, it, it, we were running the gamut of like, do I have eczema? Like yeah. I had just been watching this YouTube, this YouTube influencer I watched named Joanna Sadia. She's yeah. like this young girl. She's like really fascinating. She disappeared suddenly like six months ago, eight months ago, just disappeared from YouTube. Oh, not from, like, not from like the world. She, she disappeared from YouTube about six, eight months ago. And she, when she, when she resurfaced on YouTube, she said that she had been struggling with her eczema. That eczema was something that she had had her whole life. She'd been prescribed steroid creams her mm-hmm. entire life mm-hmm. to manage her eczema. And at some point in the last year, the steroid creams had stopped working and she went to her doctor and her doctor was just basically like, we'll just use more steroid cream. Mm-hmm. And she went down this rabbit hole of internet research about kind of like um, developing a, a, what's it called when you develop and not an immunity. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, your body becomes acclimated to it. The, yeah, the steroids yeah. So she, and things that become less so, effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess, you know, she hadn't realized up to that point, like she, she'd been on steroid topical steroids for over a decade at that point she didn't realize that like steroids potentially could be like disrupting her hormone Mm. her actual hormone production um allegedly i think she's she's very careful to talk about how this is her own experience how a lot of it dives deep into the bowels of conspiracy theory laden internet resources Okay. Right, because like in general, like you should be trusting medical professionals for their sure, expertise, sure, and not sure, 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 sure. WebMDing yourself to death. But so she quit. So she quit topical steroids, cold turkey, just to see, because she was mm-hmm. like, she just wanted to see, like, it, were there were there other ways for her to manage this in that topical steroids no, were no longer working. So she decided to quit steroid, uh, topical steroids, uh, cold turkey. Within a month, her whole body was just like covered. And dry patches, red patches, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. every. And she said it got to the point where she couldn't, she couldn't move anymore because, oh. like, her, her her skin was so dry and cracked in places that, like, she couldn't bend her elbows, for example. Mm-hmm. And then she proceeded to go on to kind of like a very low inflammatory diet, mm-hmm. which I guess that's where like the whole gluten free idea comes from, and like sugars and a lot of these foods that can be very nutritious but can also be slightly inflammatory and if you have a high sensitivity like you know celiac disease or whatnot mm-hmm. or crohn's disease like a lot of the, the inflammation can actually cause like bodily harm and so she had been reading up on people that were managing their eczema through diet and like anti-inflammatory diets and whatnot so she's at this point right now where she says that the majority of what she eats every day is broth meat and sauerkraut which is oh so so this is a long roundabout way for me to talk about how i'm a hypochondriac so in confluence with having seen this video this week and then my neck erupting in these red burning spots i was like oh my god i have eczema Mm -hmm. and then today to bring it back full circle to my skin drooping onto the floor at the age of 41 Mm -hmm. i was talking to davy this morning and i was like well Actually, I think I have, I think what I did is I gave myself a bunch of retinol burns. Oh, oh, cause did you, had you done a peel or something? Cause you've done that in the past, right? I mean, not, yeah. I've never given myself a burn with a peel per se, mm-hmm. like meaning like a chemical exfoliant, like an, uh, 
like a lactic acid or a glycolic mm-hmm. acid peel. Um, retinols act a little bit differently. I, I don't think that they're technically considered chemical exfoliants. Um, it's basically like a very strong form of vitamin A that you put topically on your skin. Um, it causes like cell turnover to accelerate is what I understand. So like mm-hmm. it can help with like collagen production and like the appearance of fresh skin on the surface of your visage. Mm-hmm. But you and are I've supposed been, to oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I've, I've been using a retinol of different sorts mm-hmm. for on and off for about two or three years. And I've had varying uh, impacts. Like some of them are very, very strong. And yeah, like I've given myself a small chemical burn from when uh, I got it too close to my eye once. Like oh. it, it, it got up way up high on my cheek and then it made a little red patch of skin. Well, if it makes you um, feel any better, you've been my uh, cautionary tale. Not really cautionary. I mean, you know, I, I watch you and I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's see if Barry's face falls off. And, you know, because you've been testing all the different things for forever. Yeah. And then I, and um, then I don't try any of them and I just use bank heels. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, th- I mean, th- I think that's the thing is like for most people's purposes, I feel like the most important part about your skin health is actually like actively trying to prevent skin cancer mm-hmm. over all other, but like the types of things that cause the type of extreme damage that most skincare attempts to prevent. Mm-hmm. I could be saying this totally wrong. I think I just wove myself a big run on sentence. Um, but like all the things that we do with like antioxidants or exfoliants and that, you know, ostensibly is to prevent wrinkles, but like wrinkles are linked with like sun damage. And so mm-hmm. like the main thing that everyone should be doing, I think it's wearing sunscreen that everyone agrees everyone should be doing is trying to protect yourself from UV damaging UV rays. Cause those are the things that are going to potentially cause actual health problems and not just signs of aging. Um, so wear your sunscreen folks, wear it all over your body. You also need to put on way more sunscreen than you would think. It's a lot. I know. I don't put it on my body. I do wear the um the like the mineral powder on my face. It's not enough. It's not enough. Do you know how much mineral powder you would need to put on your face? No. You need to put on like I think it's like one the equivalent of like one milliliter. Jesus. I mean, yes. I mean as I mean, you know powder sunscreens are good for touch ups. It's hard well, because but... I, my skin is sensitive and, you know, as a person who has brown skin, sometimes it is hard to find an effective natural sunscreen or, you know, non-avabenzone, avabenzene sunscreen that uh, doesn't appear purple on my face or mm-hmm. leave white streaks or chalky, you know, residue. So, and then you get like the 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 t- tinted one and then you just look flat and I'm like, Oh God, do I have to like wear like, like, like foundation, like, like do like a whole thing so that I like even myself out. Um, and then it gets stuck in my beard. It's kind of, it's a whole thing, but um, no, there's a lot more right. sunscreens out there that are, that are uh, catering towards people of color. Yeah. I I'll was using, what is it? La, Ro- La Roche Posay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, Super. I mean, you know, like, there's like the there's super a lot of like Korean, like and... Korean, a lot of Korean um, chemical sunscreens mm-hmm. are pretty. They're very interesting. They're very thin, and then they kind of disappear into your skin. Mm. Who knows? Um, well, we will have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah, we're totally armchair experting this right now. But my main point was, I don't think 
I think I just burned my neck with retinol uh-huh. because I switched brands within the last month and I've been trying to acclimate to it because it's a slightly stronger formula than I'm used to. And then you were outside, which... Well, it's funny because I've been using it all over my face and... um Generally speaking, like there will be parts of my face that will react and be more sensitive. And I hadn't been having any reactions on my face. But then I think that because of how I slather my products on and the order that I slather my products on, I think that I ended up getting a significant amount on my neck. Mm. I think. I'm well, you're trying to, well, because you're trying to eliminate your neck wrinkles. Yeah. 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 So that was a really roundabout story, which is to, to tell the audience that I thought I had eczema, but I actually just burned myself with retinol probably because I'm 41 and trying to prevent my neck from having lines in it. The best thing I can do is just, I mean, the the most effective thing that I have done in the last, I don't know, seven years is gain weight and I have natural filler in my face now. So uh, I don't really have any creases right now. Who needs injectable fillers when you can create them from inside your own body? Exactly. Just, uh, you know, eat a lot of adobo. <laughs> uh, I just finally switched to, I, I bought, um, uh, Cal, you know, Cal Rose rice, the, the ja- kind of Japanese style-ish. It's okay, like a, yes. The short grain Is that rice. what it's called? It's called, well, yeah, it's the California version of like a Japanese short grain. They're, they're, uh, it's, okay. it's native to California. Um, but they have a brown rice variant so i went and bought a big bag because i love rice and uh if i can have three more grams of dietary fiber per serving bring it on i'm gonna live forever now i just i i mean I white like rice or rice. nothing white I know, rice i know i know i know this is me going back on my previous thing that it was like if i'm gonna eat rice i'm gonna eat rice but i figure what if i just like cook the cook everything out of out of the brown rice until it's like as soft as white rice to me, it's the flavor, though. I know a yeah, lot of people like, like the complexity, the nuttiness of oh, no. brown rice, but yeah. I don't. I, I really just want like a blank, blank slate. I used to think that it was being very effective, you know, like, uh, you know, it was like, oh, I can feel things moving in my body. Yeah. Turns out yeah. I just wasn't cooking the brown rice long enough. Oh. So it was indigestion. Well, yeah. when we come back, uh, well, before we come back. Tell us, Jason. <laughs> Check us out on our website at floppredeemer.com where you will find all of the, uh, you know, this song, all of the other songs, the ephemera, as Barry likes to say, um, on floppredeemer.com. You can also email us at floppredeemer at gmail.com for any suggestions, tips, things that we've missed, comments, hate, whatever. Um, Send it to us. We're getting more. I know. We got an email. Thanks, thanks, Will, for sending us an email. Someday we'll read it. No. I mean, yes, we will. <laughs> I read we will. it. <laughs> Full disclosure, Jason has like the password to our email account written on like a napkin somewhere, probably, yeah, perhaps holding up a uh, holding up the leg of his table or something somewhere. So he's been completely unable to log into any of our accounts. Well, this is this is me. Well, except for the Instagram. Okay. Well, that's because it's a one and done. You know? I know. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, do I like this Mariah Carey post? On behalf of the brand. (laughs) (laughs) We have no brand guidelines. Um, Anyway, Will, we'll read your email soon. No, I read it. It was a great email. Thank you for sending us an email. And and he's, because I don't know it, he's not telling me what's in it. So I'm going to find all of the things. Okay, yes. I will will also not tell you and I will not forward it to your personal email account (laughs) so that 
This will encourage you to log into yes, our and I will do it today. Email account. Today we're talking about Little Mix. Um, so if you don't know, Little Mix is a British girl group. They were the winners of the eighth series of the X Factor UK in 2011. The founding members of Little Mix, Jade Thurwall, Perry Edwards, Leanne Pinnock, and Jesse Nelson have gone on to release six studio albums and 27 singles together, with world sa- worldwide sales estimated at over 60 million. So for a little bit of context, this sales figure estimated admittedly by wikipedia of all places but this sales figure puts them in the echelon of destiny's child and tlc in terms of global sales yeah i would suspect that like with the releases that they put out in 2020 they may have actually exceeded destiny's child in worldwide sales but here in the united states little mix remains largely unknown And their highest charting single in the United States was 2015's Black Magic, which peaked at number 67 on the Billboard Hot 100. I do enjoy that song. It is a good song. And it is one of those things, I think, where in the UK and in, in several other countries globally, obviously, Little Mix is a pretty big deal. And then here, it's not for lack of trying, right? Like, we occasionally get a Little Mix single released here, and it's played on the radio occasionally, Right. Like we, we, we heard that song, shout out to my ex. We heard the song wings. I feel like we maybe heard the song salute. Although maybe I only know the song salute because, um, Willem in Alaska's drag race, uh, podcast, yeah, they yeah, use yeah. a sample of salute on okay. the podcast. But it, it, so it is one of those things where little mix has been legitimately in the American consciousness mm-hmm. in a way that like there are other British girl groups like girls aloud or the Saturdays that, I genuinely think never even bothered to try. Yeah. Little Mix has well, tried. Do you think well, they didn't bother to try or they just, nobody was here for it? I think that, no, I mean, just like the fact that Little Mix was releasing singles to radio from yeah. the get go. Oh, I see. In the United States. Like there, that means that their record company or their affiliate record company in the United States saw the potential for them here. Versus like, I don't think we ever officially got a Girls Aloud. Is that is that partly because because it was the X Factor and there's like the Simon Cowell connection, right? Because in Simon Fuller and like, um, or not Simon Fuller. Is it Simon Fuller? But I, I know they split yeah. at some point. No, but. it was uh, X Factor is Simon Cowell only. Okay. Simon Fuller was pop idol, American idol. Just because of that connection, the, you know, the the success that American Idol had and and kind of the machine that they had and sort of Simon Cowell taking X Factor and sort of like trying to replicate the machine even in the US, even though it was a British show, like just tapping into that machine. Maybe. I mean, because also Little Mix comes to the stage after One Direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like One Direction Mm -hmm. had been part of the X Factor UK, I think the series before, like series seven. Okay. One Direction did not win X Factor UK that year. They came in like third place. But they won our hearts. Yeah. I think they won. I think they definitely won the public's heart, despite not receiving their votes for some reason. But, you know, and in the year that followed, there was evidence that that One Direction was able to break through via the platform of X Factor UK from the previous year, right? That they weren't going to be just like a niche UK act in that moment. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that is part of it. Like there there is suddenly a track record for 
or there is a blueprint for this to occur that like UK reality television series success can then translate into global overseas success for these artists. Right. Mm -hmm. But obviously that, that that wasn't really the case. Like not for lack of trying, like that, that was the thing too, for me in thinking about little mix was that like, Oh, like little mix has been around for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. They really have been rewarded for their longevity where I think that they're standing as one of the most successful girl groups in the world is in part because they were able to stay together for so long. Like you look at like most of the other girl groups and girl groups historically, split up at some point or mm-hmm. a member leaves and then they go on hiatus or something like it's just mm-hmm. it's the the tale as old as time when it comes to girl groups really yeah but before we get into all of the things all of the all of the bullet points that i want to talk about like why i think little mix had a rough go of it in the united states i want to talk about the x factor okay because it's it's the beginning of their story and also i have a tradition on this program of Indulging my penchant for reality television singing competition programs. Yes. So please do. allow me one last chance. <laughs> Although who knows? There's there's probably tons of other reality singing television competition series programs that I'll get a chance to talk about. So Little Mix, they come from the X Factor UK. We've talked about the X Factor US in the Rachel Crow episode. Also a little bit in the Nicole Scherzinger episode because Nicole Scherzinger was a judge on X Factor UK and US. Mm-hmm. And the format of the X Factor UK, for those not in the know, X Factor UK has a set of four judges. For X Factor UK in this season, it was Louis Walsh, who I think is like a record industry guy in the UK. Uh Um, Kelly Rowland, obviously from Destiny's Child. Gary Barlow, who was in Take That. You remember when Take That tried to Yeah, and and Kelly Rowland, this was around the same time as... um, Commander, or had come out. What was the what was the David Guetta song? Because yeah, it was right after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was shortly after. Yeah, yeah. that was the thing about Kelly Rowland was that when she started making that dance music, people in Europe like loved it, Mm -hmm. and she became a really big deal there. She was able to get way more. I feel like she had way more opportunities for her opening up in Europe just because of the success of that music. Yeah. Um, But Gary Barlow from Take That, he was a judge, and then um, Tulisa, who was um, I think a member of a British girl group. The four members of Little Mix, Jade Thurwall, Perry Edwards, Leanne Pinnock, and Jesse Nelson, they originally auditioned for the show as soloists, mm-hmm. but they none of them make it through the initial like boot camp rounds, and they're all eliminated. But what's unique to the X Factor format is that in addition to allowing groups to audition for the show, they also... Well, they usually don't come up with enough serviceable groups, I feel like, mm-hmm. from the initial auditions. So what they do is they take some of their kind of B-cast soloists and they start to smush them together. Because they're like, really, like you guys look like you could be a group or you guys kind of sound the same. Like, mm-hmm. let's put you in a group. And the results are decidedly mixed, meaning that they're mediocre. They range from mediocre to terrible. Like in the X Factor US version, when they did these smushed together groups, there was mm-hmm. a group, I think it was called Intensity. It was 10 people, male, female, old, young. There were, there was like an 11 year old in this group. There was like a 20 year old in this group. I was like, who, who is going to buy into this group called Intense Intensity, like T-E-N and it has 10 members, all races, Ew. ages, sizes, okay. shapes. It's, it was bizarre. Anyway. 
so the it's a it's a very mixed bag because they're mostly just pulling from these soloists. One uh-huh. Direction was formed in the same way. They just mm-hmm. saw these five boys that they didn't think any of them had necessarily the vocal strength or the star power to hold down the competition on their own. But they put them together. They looked at them on stage and were like, "You guys could be mm-hmm. huge just based on the way you look, mm-hmm. essentially." Mm-hmm. And um, Little Mix was formed in this way. But even in an even more extreme move, what they did was when they were forming these groups, they actually formed the, these girls were originally in two different groups when they originally divided them up. They eliminated, eliminated those groups, but then came up one group short. And so they took two girls from one group and two girls from another group mm-hmm. and put them together at the last minute. And we're like, do you guys want to be a group together? Okay, cool. You're in. So these, this set of four women made it to the, what's called the judge's house part of the competition without ever having actually sung together. Mm-hmm. And the judge's house portion of the competition is when the judges as their mentors kind of take them on this trip. They workshop their sound together. They perform for them one last time to decide who's moving on to the live shows. And so it was kind of unprecedented that up until this point, they had an act in this show that had never worked together before Mm -hmm. that was kind of like a made for tv moment of like all the anticipation behind like what is this group of girls going to be able to pull together not knowing each other never having sung together and then suddenly they flew to greece to be with Mm -hmm. talisa Mm because talisa was their mentor and they get showered with a lot of praise all of this is on youtube by the way i I, I re-watched this whole saga on youtube and what I will say is that they get they get heaped with a lot of praise because their their harmonies are so tight. Oh, they blend so well. It is objectively pretty bad. And so I don't know if it's um it's a lot of puffing up for the sake of, you know, pumping up their contestants mm-hmm. or if the British You're just have a lower <laughs> have a lower standard or a different understanding about what harmonies are. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. But you know, because it was it was it reminds me of like one of the things that Simon Cowell always said on American Idol was that far and away, like he was way more impressed by the vocal prowess of American Idol contestants over like UK pop idol contestants. Mm-hmm. So when you look back, when I look back at those formative performances by Little Mix, I'm like, whoa, these are real, real rough. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're kind of witnessing in real time these four strangers mm-hmm. figuring it out. Yeah. Because I will say that the arc that they're provided through the X Factor UK is that they are constantly improving. They're constantly working. And so I feel like as a viewer of the program, you give them credit for the situation that they've been thrown into. And then seeing them actually work really hard to improve. Yeah. And you you see the proof in the pudding. Like by the end of the season, their singing and their their group dynamic is just so much tighter than it is in the beginning. Yeah. And you see them overcoming also like a lot of nerves and a lot of insecurities is a big theme with them throughout the show. And so I feel like a part of their win in the UK was that these were like your hometown girls that you were watching kind of blossom, you know, over the course of like 11 weeks on television. Right. Uh And that was one thing that um, in watching back the X factor episodes really clicked for me about what the appeal of little mix is and always has been is that 
early on in the competition, when they were looking at this group of four women singing together or performing together, um, Louis Walsh, I think he said something about like this, like this is the group of girls at home, basically, like all the girls at home are seeing themselves in these girls. These aren't, you know, the glamorous supermodels. Mm hmm. These aren't the girls that are trying to steal your boyfriend, mm -hmm. right? Which I feel like was kind of a dig at like the Pussycat Dolls. Like I feel like that's essentially what the Pussycat Dolls vibe is. Mm -hmm. Is like mm -hmm. these are the tall Amazonian like girls that are going to steal your boyfriend. Well, that was their like lead the, song, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And like that's that's kind of thematically where all their songs head in my mind. But Little Mix was decidedly not that. These mm -hmm. were all the girls next door. Right. It's mm -hmm. like when you see um, Kelly Clarkson audition for American Idol and she says she's from like, where was she from? Like Lubbock, Texas or something mm -hmm. like we as Americans have uh, a perception of what that means or wherever Britney Spears is from in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Louisiana, isn't it? Oh, oh Louisiana. Yes. <laughs> Shit. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up we're about, to, but, we're about to get railed i know oh these are all these unresearched off the top of my head moments actually this whole episode is research unresearched and off the top of my head so the outline begs to differ we're a show of thoughts and feelings well the whole outline is thoughts and feelings it's not <laughs> there's no facts in this show so i think that there is that hometown appeal there's that like What's yeah, the yeah, it's relatability. It's this it's relatability. this idea of you know you know this person right it's it's uh yeah, it's your hometown yeah. person. I was going to say, when you were describing sort of what Louis was saying, um, it's to me, the first person that came to my mind was Kelly Clarkson. It's like she still sort of has that every girl, girl next the door. The girl next door, yeah. Yeah, sort of vibe. And she's carried that throughout her career. And that's that's created a, a, a like a wellspring of like love and effect, you know, endearment in the audience for her. I guess my point too was that like as as Americans, I don't like. I could not tell you a posh British, a, a like a posh British accent from like, a, a you know, like an urban British accent. I mean, come Maybe on. I guess they're all they're all they all border on like indecipherable to me. <laughs> Especially the really undecipherable ones. I can't decide if the really undecipherable accents are <clears throat> actually very very posh, or very very like working class. Well, it could also be that they're from like. Wales or something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like no, you know, exactly, or, exactly. Or Ireland or, or you know, or Scotland. Like sometimes, like you know, when you're watching like great pottery throwdown, or you know, and you're like, I mean, listen, oh, listen, this is interesting. I have you're to, I have, yeah, I have to watch the great pottery throwdown with subtitles on because I you serious? sometimes, sometimes I can't understand what they're saying. Oh. So, bottom line, appeal of Little Mix throughout their journey on X Factor is that these are the girls next door. These are also girls that are supporting each other. Like you really see them in moments of like developing a rapport with each other, of supporting each other with struggles. During the X Factor, very early on in the X Factor, it's established that Jesse Nelson is the target of a lot of cyberbullying as a result of this. Mm -hmm. They address that very early on that like Jesse Nelson um, who actually departed Little Mix this year after like 10 years together has always struggled with being like the odd man out in Little Mix in, mm -hmm. in certain ways. Early on in X Factor, she was targeted for being, you know, heavy set. Like she was, she was, she was seen as the, the quote unquote fat member of Little Mix, which mm -hmm. is absolutely ridiculous. Like mm -hmm. she's a very normal, like normal 
healthy looking size next to three women who are, I would say, just kind of very skinny. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's the way thin. it's the way that like the entertainment industry, I think, skews our perception of like what normal looks like. Mm-hmm. Cause when you if you've ever seen a celebrity in real life, oh they're tiny or, or an athlete in real life, my God, I served Michelle Kwan coffee. Like when Michelle Kwan took a season off to attend UCLA, mm-hmm. I served her coffee once. I worked at a coffee shop on campus at like six in the morning. Six in the morning, Michelle Kwan comes walking in. Tiny, so skinny, so much mm-hmm. skinnier than I ever would have thought she was. Mm-hmm. Based on the way she looks on TV or like, you know, performing. You see people on TV, they look and you you, you get in your head like, oh, that's a normal sized human being. And you realize mm-hmm. like, no, like in person, this is a tiny, extremely skinny person that mm-hmm. works out for, you know, probably like half of their waking hours are spent doing some type of exercise to yeah. maintain this shape and size. And um, yeah, I've always been like really shocked whenever I see a celebrity in person that I'm like, oh, wow, like that mm-hmm. looks very different on screen or on mm-hmm. camera, you know? So early on, they established this with, this with Jesse Nelson, that she's the target of cyberbullying. Um, people are just saying disgusting things about her on the internet and her bandmates really they rally around her and they document this. And I think that that helps endear them as a group to the public, right? That Mm -hmm. I don't think that we're very used to girl groups following through on the girl power, women supporting women message necessarily, Mm -hmm. especially in terms of a lot of the girl groups that we've talked on in this show, Mm -hmm. that one of the central things that brings about the demise of a lot of these groups is the breakdown in that dynamic. Yeah. Which I don't think is actually, I don't, and, and here's the thing. I don't think that that's unique to women. Mm-hmm. Like, it happens to all of them. It happens to everyone at all times. If you've ever worked at a company with more than just one person, <laughs> I've worked with, I've worked as, com- I've worked at companies as small as like four people. You still get those weird dynamics sometimes where mm-hmm. you're like, I, I, I disagree with you. Like the whole mm-hmm. like di- agree to disagree or the whole like mm-hmm. leave the room for a second to calm yourself down. That happens anytime you're dealing with other people in some kind of professional setting. But for so long, it seemed like Little Mix was able to avoid that dynamic. And uh-huh. I think that that really served them well throughout the entire last decade. Mm-hmm. Except in the United States where we don't care. Yeah. So they've, you know, they've come out, they've they've been together for about 10 years. They've sold as you mentioned over 60 what 65 million albums. Well, albums and singles. And singles. They've had six albums though, right? And yeah. yet they still don't make a dent here. Yeah. Right. Okay. And in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah. What are we? 45 minutes in, we're getting to the, the crux, the thesis. Why we why we don't care about Little Mix in the United States. And I think it's a combination of things, okay? I think that, one, this is the simplest thing. They're British. Okay. I don't think it's easy for British acts to land here and do anything meaningful. Um, second thing, girl groups. I don't think that girl groups are a big deal here in the United States. They kind of ebb and flow in their relevance in pop music. Mm-hmm. In the United States. And then third, I think there might actually be a fourth, but third, (laughs) they're a girl group with no discernible lead singer. And I think that when I look back at the track record of girl groups in the United States, 
the most iconic ones or the ones that I think of as like the the pinnacle of girl group excellence always have like a defined sound defined by a remarkable lead singer. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the first one. Okay. You know, that they're, <laughs> so they're British. British. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. The, the hot take. We very rarely get British artists taking over the charts here or like having sustained success, except when there is kind of a movement of like, oh, we love British music for this thing. And then we start to take a lot of it at one time. That makes sense. I think like, you know, in the 60s with the British invasion, with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, right? Like that was a specific type of music that we were turning to the UK for that we weren't getting here. Yeah. Necessarily. Like, well, it wasn't, it wasn't po- like they, the rock, a lot of rock groups had gone, rock and soul groups had gone overseas mm-hmm. because they weren't, yeah, they weren't being received here. And then it kind of got not laundered, but went through yeah. the process comes back. Brit like pop, I was, Brit rock. Cause yeah, I was, I mean, I was reading about how like a lot of like the girl groups of the sixties were just kind of holding it down for pop music. And then mm-hmm. it was something like British invasion, right? Mm-hmm. Beatles, Rolling Stones, that kind of like, mm-hmm. what is that? Like nerdy, nerdy rock. The monkeys. I, don't know. I mean, it was just rock. Monkeys are American. I know, but they were, well, they're also prefab. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Fake, fake. I know. <laughs> Sister Mary fake. Um, and then, you know, I was thinking about like the mid nineties, we got a lot of Brit pop, like with and Brit pop, meaning Brit rock five. No, no, no. Like Brit rock. Like oh. we got like Oasis and blur and oh. like, like we turned to the UK and we're like, we're not getting this. We only have grunge in the United States. We need something else. So we pull in, you know, Oasis and blur from the UK. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh yeah, like you're going to become big artists in the United States. And then, um, Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. I feel like Spice Girls were kind of an anomaly. I mean, also a girl group. I think it's a, it's an apt comparison to make against Little Mix about like why Spice Girls is like one of the biggest worldwide successes of girl groups and was a big, big, big hit in the United States, despite having a relatively short tenure. Like, I mean, it, it was only- not even relatively. I mean, it's short. It's like a year and a half. Yeah. Right. Like two years tops. They got to they got what did they get like they got like two albums and then all of a sudden the, the single was called Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Two albums and a movie. And then like, yeah, goodbye. But they like, really burned, burned very bright, very fast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, fell victim to, well, I mean, was it, did Spice Girls fall apart because, yeah, was, but was that it? Like they couldn't kind carry of. on as a four piece? I mean, she was the one, she was the one in the Union Jack. Uh, like, she was she really the one. I don't think Jerry Hallowell could really sing that one. Well. I don't think she could either, but she did have a distinct voice for talking about, you know, having sort of that, um, distinct for being flat. I mean, there was like her, I mean, then, the, you know, scary and, um, uh, sporty. They all had kind of strange voices, you know, like kind of strange voices. They weren't known for their singing. All of them. No, they weren't. I mean, I feel like, okay. And this is the thing is I think that they were known for, I feel like they were known for being rampant individuals, which I think sold very well in the United States. I think in the United States, we are a land of rampant individuals and maybe they are around the world, but I feel like that's like the trademark of the United States. Like American exceptionalism is all about this idea uh, that like, yeah, yes, I I do. But individual liberties. I also think that like late nineties, you know, you have supermodel culture, you have, um, you know, 
just this that sort of late nineties pop excess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, th- there was sort of a people loved that stuff, right? Uh and, and they sort of were kind of like there's pop I don't know, they were kind of marketed as like like you're saying individuals. I agree, but also like not like they were models, but like like they were very celebrities of that moment individually and like together. And then it's not like around the time, like Austin powers and all of, you know, like this sort of mod sort of sensibility was coming back. Like, cause there was, cause what was that um, movie with like uh, with Uma Thurman and she plays the agent. What was it? Emma Peel. What's her? She goes into like the the red. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm no, like me. It's, I'm like Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman was in um, a Kill Bill. No, no. Um, hold on, Pulp Fiction. No, because she did it. Uh, she plays like a um. The truth about cats and dogs. She plays. It's like the Avengers. Yes, the Avengers. Oh, oh, because oh she, the, the terrible one. Yeah, but like the her- but, terrible one that was. But like 1998, panned. right? Like it's it's. It's like this time where like people are obsessed with British stuff. You know, it's like I guess, but Diana we I mean so but this like, is the thing know, is like despite with any British uh, mod any, stuff. Despite any further efforts in that period of time, I don't think anyone captured American the American attention as much as Spice Girls did. No, I know. And I, I but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, all like, Saints, overall like, culturally. But I think, I, but I think that the Spice Girls' success really had to do with how easily identifiable they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was like Sporty Spice in her like sports bra and track pants, mm-hmm. and you know Mel Mel B in her cheetah I just print. Her hair. Yeah, she was like in a cheetah print. Like she was like very Josie and the Pussycats in my mind. But I think it was just like a cheetah print bustier, Baby Spice in her like weird marabou dress. Posh yeah. in her like mini dress, mm-hmm. and yeah, Ginger in her Union Jack. Yeah, but I, and I think that that's in 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 a really like marketing one hundred and one kind of way. It just made them so easy to identify and glom onto. Well, yeah, and we talked about it with SWV, right? Like their yeah. management didn't distinguish the girls of SWV in the way that like TLC had distinguished themselves. Yeah. Cause right. as a group of singers, as a group of singers, Spice Girls was pretty abysmal. <laughs> Hot <laughs> take. <laughs> uh, I mean, cause here's the thing is it's not like, it's not like any of them were bad singers. Well, gosh, I mean, it, none I of them were Jer- fantastic. I think Mel C sporty spice, I think yeah. had the most fantastic singing voice, the hardest to decipher accent to Americans. Hmm. When you listen to Mel C speak uh, as an outsider, as an American, I like what Par- beg your baking powder. Like, <laughs> um, I think overall, I would say Mel B had the biggest solo pop star potential. Like the balance of like a good singing voice, a good image, good energy, good celebrity kind of overall package, right? Because like Emma Button, Emma Button had some good dance songs though as, as a soloist, but like well, Emma so Button true. very largely seemed very quiet. Posh always, oh, Posh, I don't know if Posh could actually sing. I, to this day, I don't think I she I have could no actually. idea what her voice sounds like. Look up her solo music. You cannot find any live recordings of her performing live. It's always, it's always mimed. Um, so I don't, no one knows. Do we know what her I mean, speaking voice sounds like? Actually, we do. She's um, just, you know, with David Beckham now, and that's all that matters. Yeah. And Jerry Hallowell, I mean, 
even in her studio recordings of her solo stuff, I always thought Jerry Hallowell f- sounded really flat. She, d- I mean, yeah, because she did It's Raining Men, right? The yeah. cover of It's Raining Men. And I'd always be mad we'd be out at a club and they'd play the Jerry Hallowell version and not like they the two just tons fixed of fun. It. They could have fixed her vocals, yeah. bump it up a little or yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, it was like. Because what was that first? Did she do a, her lead single was called like, Look at Me? Look at Me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like, but again, like very like very mod 60s ish vibe right like uh, well i think in her case yeah yeah i just remembered mel c always being in track pants which is very like track it was like track pants and a high ponytail midriff out yeah 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 um anyway where are we i don't (laughs) know i mean it's just you know it's because we're talking about the things is it yeah i was talking about when we when we allow british artists into our cultural pop cultural psyches here in the united states i feel like there's always uh, an agenda or a purpose behind it right because even when i was thinking about like adele mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. big worldwide global success including here in the united states i feel like she was part of like an effort because that type of music and that type of sound and that type of vocal was not something that like american artists were doing and then you get like variation. Well, okay. Hot take, cold take, cold take. Was it, was Adele introduced as like a variant on Amy Winehouse? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it came through similar channels, but I don't think as a variant of Because I remember Amy Winehouse, Adele, and Duffy mm-hmm. all crossing over into the, all, crossing the Atlantic to the United States at approximately the same time, all with a variation on a similar appeal not the same thing like almost like uh, uh third cousins well they had sort of like that retro vibe right the sort of retro lo-fi there was kind of a lo-fi-ness to the to the recording or the 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 way they sang and the kinds of songs they sang there was sort of unadorned in the way that americans were used to pop music being super produced right like mm. not which is not mm. to say that that you know amy winehouse was not produced obviously there was so much production gone into it but it was a production style that felt grittier felt more authentic quote-unquote authentic didn't feel poppy right it, it 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 lent itself to the um idea that maybe they were more serious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right like there was more and gravitas might be the wrong word. I mean, eventually, for sure, with Adele, it's like gravitas, and definitely not with Duffy. But, um, but it's like similar vibes. Yeah, I think that like in the decade of in the decade of like American Idol becoming really popular and really reacquainting ourselves with like live performance, and then suddenly having that stark contrast between like, okay, these are the artists that we're hyping up on American Idol through live performance. Over time, a lot of those artists never really had the success on the album side of things. Well, it yeah. Is it like what we were getting out of like Amy Winehouse or Adele? Like that style of production is like we're seeking that experience of like the thrill of live performance in a studio recording. Kind of yeah. that we weren't getting that we weren't getting to your point in the overproduced pop music that we were getting here. Yes, but let's also remember because we talked about it. We've talked about that in in previous, like the Sam Smith episode, and um, you know, was Sam it, Smith a variation on Adele? Well, <laughs> no, it's a variation on that blue eyed soul concept. Like mm. what we're talking about is like very soulful British singers that people are more able to accept than just listening to American R and B or like soulful 
they don't ex- because because then it doesn't transcend into pop, mm-hmm. right? Like Mary J. Blige had to go to England to do a soulful album that was like regarded by Pitchfork as one of the, her best albums ever done, whereas like they would never look at her album. You know what I mean? Like it, she had to go over there to like do the thing that maybe she wanted to do and experiment with and, and for, for the soul music to be seen through a different lens other than like, Oh, it's just genre. Right. And I think that that plays into it too. Like they were filling a void in that, you know, in that time, everything was so much more pop. Like when you say pop oriented, it wasn't soulful in the way that like Amy Winehouse tapped into that Adele Duffy for sure. Like they all did, you know, so I, I essentially feel like we turn to the UK at different points in time, but we only turn to them for specific things. And a girl group like Little Mix was not something that we were ever going to actively look towards the UK for. Like, I, th- I feel like in the aftermath of um, the success of the Spice Girls, we were constantly we meaning like the music industry we're constantly trying to figure out like what was the formula to that success and like how do we replicate it because we did occasionally get you know we got like all saints we got bewitched um we got a single from the sugar babes that we talked about mm-hmm. as club seven you know a bunch of other attempts were made Bewitched. do you remember oh no not um bewitched um what was that group, girl group that had a song on the Catwoman soundtrack? Mystique. Do you remember Mystique? No, no. Mystique was like the, I think they were a black UK girl group that crossed over here. And they had one song called Scandalous. Hmm. It was on the Catwoman soundtrack. I just remember, I just remember it sort of feeling like those all sort of feeling throwaway. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like, let's no, like, totally. like, we just put them together. And, I, and, and, you know, that's also lumping in like, sort of an all saints. Like I know that that's not true, you know, necessarily because they they weren't they weren't necessarily throwaway. But the way they were presented here, it was sort of like, you know, you might hear them at, at like the video clubs, right? When we'd go mm-hmm. dancing, right? And you'd hear the one song. And you wouldn't really like as a as a fan, as a person who's like dancing in the club, like you wouldn't necessarily expect to hear more from them. It was just sort of flavor of the week or these are the club songs. Yeah. And they'll be replaced down the road you know yeah i think it also like it misses the point of like why you fell in love with the original and so you're just getting like kind of a xerox copy of a xerox copy of a xerox copy that's almost like it's not it's not honing in on like why Mm -hmm. why americans loved the spice girls Mm -hmm. and again to me that's it was mostly the marketing and the imagery of the spice girls more so than anything else and so you couldn't just take the success of the Spice Girls and say, well, like, oh, British girl groups are going to be big in the United States now. Like, let's just unleash a slew of British girl groups onto the United States music market and see what happens. Because to your point, it, a lot of it ended up feeling like throwaways. Mm-hmm. And it also was like a lot of the other British girl group music of the era was so um, soft or like saccharine. Yeah. You know, I think I've commented on it before that a lot of it, like Atomic Kitten, if you've ever listened to an Atomic Kitten song, and all cops are totally liking Atomic Kitten songs, but there is like a kid's boppiness about mm. Atomic Kitten. Um, Heidi Range, who left Atomic Kitten, I think, she left Atomic Kitten to join the Sugar Babes. It was because Sugar Babes, by comparison to Atomic Kitten, were more hard-edged R&B. You know, <laughs> I know that we do this pop podcast because ostensibly we know a lot. 
but I'm looking at you right now and I'm like, how the fuck do you know this? This is general general pop but culture But just like knowledge. this person's name. Heidi Range? The one- yeah, yeah, okay. Who's that? <laughs> she was the blonde girl in Sugar Babes. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> just Yes, the blonde girl in Atomic Kitten. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, but these are all, and these are all things that like, I mean, these have been cultivated over my years yeah. of uh, Radio Disney and, uh, oh yes, that's right. Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah. so, so point one, British mm-hmm. artists, hard, I think it's actually harder to break in the United States than one would think. I mean, we talked about Jessie J. Mm-hmm. She didn't mm-hmm. have great luck. Uh, we talked about the sugar babes. We talked about, well, no, Sam Smith was the exception, but you know, well, but and, I think and, that like it's it, it's people like Adele and Sam Smith mm-hmm. and like Ed Sheeran, for example, mm-hmm. like it, it and One Direction, like they keep it in our minds, like oh yeah, it's totally plausible that British pop acts will cross over into the United States. But there are so many counterexamples to that of like yeah, well, and, and we're not in primed. addition. Oh, sorry. So, no, I was going to say we're not primed to think of anything other than American pop and entertainment supremacy. Right. So like Americans, when something comes in from somewhere else, it's got to be like, like so exceptional or or something has to have to, has to like cut through everything that we're producing in the, and that's occupying the typical Americans psyche Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, to like break through. And yet we fully expect that any of our acts are just going to be huge everywhere else because that's more or less kind of the case. Right. I, like, well, American I mean, not, ex- exceptionalism. Yeah. 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 I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, or, or that's at least the story we're told and that's what we believe. Like, that's what we like, believe. Sort of, Coach, right? We totally believe it. Does anyone else globally know who Fifth Harmony is? I don't think they do. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I, you know, it's like, how, it's like how movies perform really well here. And the, they're, they're ma- we know that they have to make them for like the overseas market, but no one fully expects that like, you know, in Italian blockbuster, is going to perform well in the U.S. Like, that's just not an expectation because no one's yeah. going to see it here. Like, whereas we know there's a hunger for American cinema or American pop culture. I think you did touch on something else, though, about, like, not having a discernible lead singer. That, I, when I was thinking a lot about who are the girl groups historically that have done really well here, I mean, the the two prime examples I could think of is Diana Ross and the Supremes and Destiny's Child, hmm. which I think are largely defined by their lead singers. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the conundrums I think of a girl group is like fundamentally like why do you want a group of singers over a soloist? And I think for me and personally, I want a group that is musically able to harmonize. Mm-hmm. Like I want that skill to be exhibited in some way. Yeah, you don't want three, you don't want three lead singers. Uh, yeah. I don't want three lead singers. And I also, I mean, in a world where I could get nine Mariah's mixed together, oh. which is every Mariah track. Yeah. But it, to, to that point, like for it, for you to justify the existence of nine individual Mariah's, <laughs> Yeah, they 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 have to be able to sing together, and mm-hmm. I think also for you to justify the cost, right? Like at the point where you're staging concerts or providing accommodations for or doing anything for a group, your costs as a music label must be going up at that point, right? Mm-hmm. You're you, you know you have three times the number of hotel rooms for uh, 
Destiny's Child than you do for Beyonce. Well, no, Beyonce probably has a bigger entourage. But you know what I'm saying? Like at the point where um, it's Beyonce's solo career, for example, like what what were we ever getting out of Destiny's Child that we don't get out of a Beyonce solo experience? Well, a lot more dance songs. Out of Except, Beyonce? well, I guess no. Destiny's oh, out of Destiny's Child. Child. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that energy. I mean, like, I think it's it's hard to compare, right? Because it's like, it's like saying, what did we get from Diana Ross and the Supremes versus what did we get from Diana Ross, you know, global superstar? And I think mm-hmm. they're just two very different things, but the one allowed the pivot to the other. Yeah. It's right? also hard to compare, I think, because so much time had elapsed, yeah. right? Yeah. That by the time that, like, when Destiny's Child debuts, to the time that like current day Beyonce solo work, it's like, well, the music is different. Like you can't well, really the artistry, anymore. like the actual, yeah, like what what they put out. But I will say that so like different. when Destiny's Child, the original lineup of Destiny's Child was doing kind of showcasing performances and stuff like that, their ability to blend and uh-huh. harmonize with each other was like the prime selling point of Destiny's Child to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think even even you know with the three person lineup, right? Like Destiny's Child doing emotions. But do we believe that Michelle Bee-Gees. Williams was ever in the mix? You can sometimes hear her in the back. Okay, I mean, aside from the bridge, okay, which she was always given the bridge. Because um, I always, I always thought my my take on the original lineup of Destiny's Child with Latoya Luckett and Latavia Robertson was that. Matthew Knowles, Beyonce's father, had assembled this group of girls together as young children, specifically to all be bland versions of his daughter with different vocal ranges, which I think is very, very smart for Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's definitely... Like, you kind of brainwash these girls, you brainwash these girls and you train them on a treadmill in high heels for all of their young years, right? (laughs) That's like the, le- the the legend of Destiny's Child is that Matthew Knowles made them all put on stiletto heels and run on a treadmill while they were singing. And I think when you listen to like Latoya Luckett's solo voice or you listen to Kelly Rowland's solo voice or you listen to Latavia's solo voice, it's like Latoya's very high pitched. Kelly's kind of in the middle and then Latavia's at the bottom. And they all have a, a quality to their voice that they blend. They blend. Yeah. They blend with Beyonce in, mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. And, but none of them are that interesting. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that Kelly, I think, what, like 20 years later, it has developed into, in, into an interesting solo artist. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, she's, I feel like, kind of coming into her own, like with the music that she wants to put out. Uh, that sounds distinct and you can tell it's her. But, you know, there are routinely like, I'll listen to things on Kelly's albums and I'm like, her voice is beautiful and and it has it has a lot more texture than Beyonce's. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and she doesn't and I've said this before, she doesn't necessarily have the charisma that Beyonce can imbue into something. Like the way Beyonce can like just like imbue, like just do a line charismatically that mm-hmm. like with a smirk or with a, you know, with a whatever that Kelly can't do, but you listen to a lot of Kelly's music. You're like, Oh, I never, I never clocked that that was Kelly the whole time. I thought it was just Beyonce because, you know, we're primed to think of Beyonce as like the lead vocalist. And like, she's carrying most of the stuff. But a lot of times you'll like, listen to, you'll go back and listen to destiny's child stuff. And you're like, Oh, Kelly's like 
she's so strong. Like to your point about them supporting Beyonce, Beyonce can kind of float above it because mm-hmm. her voice is thinner, especially back then than than the other girls. And it it would not sound as good had these girls not been part of it. And yeah, yeah, it's it yeah, it's it is interesting. But yeah. Well, when it comes to so when it comes to these girl groups that don't have a discernible lead singer, mm-hmm. um, SWV I guess did have a lead singer, but we just never knew who she was, right? Hey, Coco. Like we, I couldn't tell I couldn't tell you which one was Coco. Right? I don't think I. Yeah, I mean that's certainly. I mean, I didn't pay enough attention, and and also because like I didn't have access. So if you're just listening to their voices, because they did blend, yeah, and because. You know, as we said, there was not a lot of investment in them as individual personalities within the group, contrasted most uh, glaringly against TLC, where Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not only can you, I, you know, pick out T-Boz, Chili, and Left Eye, but you can, you know, who's singing what. You can hear them. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, who's singing what. They're so Zero blend. I mean, or or it's a blend that, that works in that, in that way. Right, like it's a I different think, sort of blend. I feel like the blend was. Um, I feel like most of the time in a TLC song, you were maybe getting two T bosses and a chili. I think of it as a pico <laughs> de gallo you... versus a a full pureed salsa. Right, like, like yeah, yeah. It's the <laughs> not it's a mole. The, it's a pico de gallo. <laughs> it's not a melting pot. It's a tossed salad. Yeah, it's like everything has its own. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a stew versus a soup. They're together, yeah. but they're distinct pieces, whereas a soup is just like blended together and they're all the one thing. And I think that was, I mean, you know, I, we very rarely, I think, ever gotten anything resembling TLC ever again. Wait, what was that? What was, oh God, what was that? What was that girl group that that was that was kind of like that? Um, From Bring It On, the one girl oh, was in Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which I like Black. Sorry, I couldn't Because Black was name. a protege. Black were, they were protégés of... Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you then, could tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Natima, Natima sounded just like Left Eye. Like mm-hmm. her flow and her voice was exactly like... Did Natima also pass away recently? I don't know. I, don't I feel know. like Black went the same way as like TLC, where like the rapper passed away suddenly. Anyway, oh, no, oh, oh. Natima? Natima? Yeah. Is she still alive? No. No. She's not, right? Yeah. No, she died um, at 32 was struck by a vehicle while crossing the street. Tragic. In 2012. But also, like, because, like, I mean, Black was kind of, I think they were dropped after Left Eye died. I think that Left Eye was, you know, their mentor was kind of the one that was pushing them. And they had that, they had that song on the Honey soundtrack, I'm Good. Mm-hmm. Great mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. But that song got shelved and that album never got released. But like to compare Black against TLC, it's like there is, aside from Natima, who I think was like the little mm-hmm. version of Le- Left Eye, mm-hmm. by and large, like they were, they were much more of a blending group. Yeah. And they blended in more mm-hmm. than TLC. I think that that is, that's the, that is like the magic of TLC to me is that they stood out so much as individuals, both image wise and vocally and yet it worked for some reason you never you never really listened to their music and thought oh jesus these people don't know how to blend or they don't know how to sing together because it never really mattered well i also think it was just more interesting music 
like interesting music. And I think it, but I think it was also music that was very much built to showcase them. Right. Like you knew there was a spot for T-Boss to shine. There was a spot for Chili to shine. Right. Like mm-hmm. you, well, you would get like a Chili, you'd always get like a Chili bridge. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. that's the part where it would, the, the it would go that's up. When you knew, yeah. That's when you knew they could really sing. <laughs> right. Cause it was like when she does like the, the, the bridge and red light special, mm-hmm. but all of this to say, who is in little mix? <laughs> well, this is the thing. So we don't know. I, I mean, up until generally speaking, we don't know. Well, uh, us, the 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 literal us, not the not the not, not like, the royal we. Yeah. It's the literal us, me and Jason. We don't know. I, who's I didn't, know, you know, until I was going to do it, and then I famously texted you that uh, you know I didn't care enough. Um, I, I like Little Mix's songs, generally speaking, right? Like mm-hmm. I had been introduced to them in 2012, and you know we ta- we we started off this episode talking about age. When I tell you that I look at this and I'm like, oh my God, the first album I know from them is like 2012, fully 10 years ago. Um, And I was a full mature adult at that point who had been introduced to them. Just coming off of a milestone birthday, like I had turned 30 and now I'm looking at like, this group has gone on for 10 years and now we're heading to another milestone birthday and it just makes me feel old. I'm like, but because I didn't think it had been that long ago, right? And yeah. you, t- you talk about longevity and 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 you know they've, they've been putting all this together. But so I started looking at all the different songs that I had liked, and I, I didn't realize it had spanned such a long period of time. Because mm-hmm. I think the prolific, first one, yeah, the first one I'd heard was Wings, and I did I I I was resistant to who to like liking them because for all of the reasons that we've talked here, I'm like, what is this like? What is this TV pop group? Because I remember I was shopping at Target with a friend. And my friend, my friend kind of grabbed the Little Mix album and threw it in my cart and was like, You need to trust me, I'll get it for you. Like, you just need to listen to them. You'll love them. And I was like, I don't want this trash. Like, I don't listen. I listen to serious music, you know? And mm-hmm. I put it on in the car and I was like, wait, I kind of love this, right? And listen to it fully for a few weeks. And then kind of, you know, how like you change out the rotation in your car and I, you know, I didn't really listen to it again. Then I would hear their stuff every once in a while. And so, you know, I was intrigued when we were talking about when we were asked to do to cover Little Mix. But yeah, as I started like doing the research and and, like watching the videos and like pulling, I was like, I don't have that connection to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. And I, I didn't have the enough of a connection to put in the work to like do the <laughs> to I learn like, their names. To le- I was like, oh, these are their names. And then like, you know, watching the videos because I'd always just heard the music and then never went any further. I didn't know who sang what part, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. so I really know Leanne, right? Like, and I know Perry's voice, but just and then I and then I, you know, watching Jess. Jesse, Jesse, um, mm-hmm. watching her and then kind of putting it together with what I had, you know, sort of picked up in the last few months about, you know, her leaving the group. I just, I, I couldn't get further into it because it was like, yeah, I like some of these songs, but like, I don't know that I can talk about them. And I, mm-hmm. that's why I really liked when you picked it up because, you know, th- this question of like, why does someone like Little Mix or a group like Little Mix not make an impact here in the way, you know, after 10 years with like legitimately mm-hmm. good music, we all think that they have great, we both think that they have great voices. Um, individually, they do blend. 
and and then like the Spice Girls, like everyone knows who the Spice Girls is. They still know who the Spice Girls are. Uh, objectively, I mean, fun music, iconic music, maybe not the best music. Like no mm-hmm. one thinks that they are like iconic vocalists uh, or maybe iconic in certain ways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like what what makes it happen. And I think exploring like, is it because they don't have a, is it because we really don't have that connection? Like it, our inability to connect with them um yeah i mean yeah we we missed out on the experience of watching them develop and watching them grow on television and so i think as a result they were relying upon that personal connection a lot in the uk mm-hmm. they just see that was a big key selling point for them as as a group i think was just again that girls next door type of thing that we have no basis for that here mm-hmm we we didn't see this journey for them. Like we didn't have that Kelly Clarkson ride, right? That we did get with Kelly Clarkson here. Mm-hmm. And I think for a group like Little Mix, that was going to be essential for them to have any kind of like storyline here. Yeah. Cause really that is that is what we're talking about here is a decade's worth of work for them that we were not conscious that time was elapsing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I think there's part of it too. It's like a lot of the music kind of sounds the same. I was just thinking this. Like, I, I don't mean the same in like a negative term necessarily. I just mean that like their sort of perspective, their musical perspective hasn't really shifted. It's the same kind of music. Huh. So it might have been updated a little bit, but like you listen to Wings and you listen to like Breakup Song or whatever. They're, it's kind of, it's hard to know what, sometimes it's hard to know what came first, really. Huh. That's interesting. Because they don't really, it's not like, you think of other artists and what they've done in 10 years. You look at One Direction and what they came out with first. I'm like, now look at Harry Styles or, or you know, Liam. I know mm. it's slightly different. They're, they've broken up, but like there was a maturation of their sound huh. that, that also changed with sort of the pop landscape. And I don't feel, I still think it's really fun. So again, I'm not saying this negative, but like it was really hard for me to figure out because I couldn't find the album that my friend had bought. And I I, I, I stored it. <laughs> Indistinguishable. <laughs> I could not figure out which was the first album that I had. Because I had a vague recollection of what the album cover looked like. And I'm looking on Spotify and I'm like, I don't know if this is the one or if it's this the one. <laughs> like, and and you kind of, you, you go through different songs and they sort of sound like they could have been, like even now, like could have been on the first album. The Some of the stuff from the first album could be on this new album. I know that they've they've sort of, you know, they've developed as like, you know, vocal cohesion and stuff like that. But generally, it kind of sounds the same. Okay. Over 10 I mean, years. I could, I could, well, do I feel that way? I don't know. I, I think, mean, I'm, I think I'm maybe sort of because I had, been reading, I had been reading up on their perspectives on stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know that at one point, um, at every turn, they were in the press saying that like, oh, we're taking a break to record our next album. It's going to sound completely different. Every 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 album cycle, it was like, oh, we're exploring new sounds. We're exploring new sounds. It's going to be totally different. It's going to be totally different, right? We're taking more control. We're, you know, because they they started taking more control with their second album onward of doing like songwriting and stuff like that, and deciding who they were going to work with. Um, so from their perspective, it was very yeah. much like, oh, but I feel I, like that that's actually okay. Hot take again. I feel like that that's not uncommon for anyone to say yeah every album it's like oh i'm doing something completely new completely different and then you get it and you're like okay it's a little different 
Yeah, and yeah. I think it's because it, we're not we're not there making the music with them, right? So like yeah. we don't see the changes. But and, and I and I guess that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not saying it's a negative necessarily, but it does sort of like all of the all of their music. Like you could collapse. Like I can collapse the songs that I like of theirs because I never had another album of theirs except for the first one that my <laughs> friend bought. But I was always sort of I was cognizant of like the songs that would come out right yeah. like, over time, and I'm like. They could all be on the same album, I feel like. Like you could, or they could kind of put on the playlist of songs. I mean, yeah. I don't know that it would be like, oh, this is early Little Mix. Well, I think a corollary to that point, and maybe more how I feel, is not necessarily that any of their albums, any of their songs could appear on like any album at any point in time. Mm-hmm. It's just that all of their albums cover kind of a broad swath of music. Mm. So that I don't, I don't always feel like all the songs on a single album belong together. Okay. Like I would almost take like, that's why for me, it's like, I have like one or two songs on every album that I like, and I might put those songs on an album together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though they span the, the, they span like 10 years. Yeah, but that's yeah, just yeah. cause like, there's always a point in the album where I'm like, oh, this is a totally different, this is a totally different thing. Mm. Like, what is this song? Like h- halfway through their latest album, Confetti, completely. I'm like. I don't like this album anymore. I only like the first half of this album. Uh uh I don't know uh why. Yeah. Can I be negative for a second? I was going to shoehorn this into what you were just saying and I forgot how. Okay. Just do it. Oh, because we're talking about like all the albums kind of sound the same, but they in the press they're talking about how like oh we're taking time to like change up our sound we're exploring new things i reading between the lines of what was happening i was wondering like were they trying to adapt their sound to become quote-unquote more palatable to the united states we talked about that with jesse J, right that she was told Mm. that her album wasn't going to work in the united states and one thing that i noticed and and this was just reading through like a chronology of what happened with them is that they went on when they released their second album salute and they went on a a world tour for salute. They canceled all of the North American tour dates for the album, for that particular tour. And what they said at the time was they just wanted to get a head start on recording their next album, which to me sounds like an excuse. Hmm. You know, because I think that the narrative was like, they're taking the time to change up their sound completely. Mm-hmm. And that complete change up was the album Get Weird with the song um, Black Magic, mm-hmm. which arguably like Black Magic actually song? was their most successful song in the mm-hmm. United States, but still didn't break into the top 50. But I was wondering, like, if I read between the lines there, like your North American tour gets canceled. Mm-hmm. You say you canceled it because you wanted to to work on your album but i'm i'm like really does anytime want- anytime you cancel tour dates there's there's never anything that there's never a chance that anyone will think anything other than it wasn't successful or you it was like selling. ticket sales it yeah. had to be yeah it yeah. either was like you got sick because like why would you announce something so huge and then just be like oh no we decided not to because it's like just it doesn't make sense from a business standpoint <laughs> to like even <laughs> announce it yeah. And put it so out any there. so so that to me was like was this moment where I was like, has Little Mix been trying to, you know, change up their sound 
to appeal to a more global, but also specifically more of an American market? Or are we 10 years in now where they have been able to become one of the most successful girl groups in the world where you just figure like, I'm going to just do what I want now because Mm -hmm. it's obviously been working for 90% of the world Mm -hmm. and just... You know, whatever gay person in the United States you can get to listen to your song. Is <laughs> Which is a enough. lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. To be fair. Not insignificant. <laughs> um, you know what we didn't do? Uh, what we successfully I mean... did? We have not su- successfully talked about any Little Mix songs. Oh, I was going to say, an hour and 30 minutes in. <laughs> Let's close it out. I mean, about... I mean, and that's the thing is like when I, when we, t- when we, when we took on this challenge from our friend Chris... And we both recognize, like, neither of us is really going to fangirl out over Little Mix hmm. in the way that maybe we normally do for our individual choices. I was like, yeah, there's just thematically stuff that I wanted to talk about today. But I would also maybe, you know, just so we have stuff to put in our playlist. Yeah. Talk about, you know, I, I could just l- l- um, unleash a litany of songs <laughs> that I think are, are good by Little Mix. Okay. I mean, ostensibly, the song that I wanted to talk about today was the song Breakup Song, which is, um, I think it was the third single off mm-hmm. of their latest album, Confetti. Mm-hmm. I like that song. In true pandemic form, Little Mix released an album in 2020, and I had no idea. I, I just, because you know what, you know how I did know was because um, my Discover, we, uh, not my Discover, my my release radar on Spotify, um, you know, there it would there would be like a, what do you call it, like a single Right would come mm-hmm, out, mm-hmm. and I remember, I remember breakup song coming out and being like, "Oh, I used to like Little Mix. Let me, let me." I was like, "Oh, I like the song." You know, it's like, a good change up for them. Yeah. I think it's a little bit. It, it they've been messing around with like '80s tinged stuff for a while. Like I feel like Black Magic had something '80, something kind of '80s to it. I couldn't quite place what it was. Um, Davy compared it to the Davy compared the song Black Magic to, um, I guess it's a '90s song. Donna Lewis, "I Love You Always Forever." Huh. I, there's that like chorus, like a acapella chorus and like a, there, you know, like towards the end. There's um, something melodically about black magic that is very familiar to me. And I could it's a, not it place. Is a, it is a, it is sort of an eighties or nineties, like pop melodic, the harmonies, the way they come together. It's like very bright. And it's one way. of those like, um, shouty song. It's like a shout. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of shout sing the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, but breakup song is definitely like a softer side of the eighties. It, it starts out with like an electric piano riff that immediately made me think of head over heels by tears for fears. Mm. Um, mm. Just like that something about the electric piano. If you owned an electric piano in the eighties and you just, you just knew that sound, mm-hmm. which, which was to say that electric piano sounds nothing like a piano. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not like an organ. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it definitely. I'm, I, I like, I like breakup song. Yeah. Um, um. I also, I mean, I in that I experienced portions of the X Factor UK on the season that they were on, and I was kind of following them during their debut. I really did like the song Wings when it first came out. Yeah, that was my first. The again, song Wings that was my first one. It, it it accompanied me on many an LA marathon. It's great because it, 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 it has the um. It's kind of like one of those marching band type of songs. Hmm. It's very much a marching band song. It's got like a horn line and a drum line in the background. Hmm. It's very, very good for just maintaining momentum when you're, you know, hurt, hurtling hmm. your body down Sunset Boulevard. 
at breakneck speeds, at very, very slow speeds. I, I, I could not run a marathon in less than four and yet, hours. And yet you were always so fast that we couldn't pick you out in the crowd when you went by, when you would pass by our apartment and we'd go oh. down to like go see you. I'd be like, I don't, I, I never saw him. Well, it's because it was just in the throngs of yeah. all the people. It, all you think people. that it's easy to spot people. It's really not. Yeah. Um, I feel bad because I'm only really calling out like singles, but. But that's, um, I think, kind of the thing with them. Yeah, like for, Black for Magic like, is a very yeah. good song. Black mm-hmm. Magic is a really good song. Shout out to my ex. I really like that song. Do you remember that? Yep. But do you remember that that song was embroiled in a little bit of controversy? I do not. And this is actually something throughout their singles discography that their songs always sound kind of familiar. They sound a little bit like another song that maybe you can't quite place. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my ex. When Shout out to my ex came out, um, the former members of the girl group GRL, Mm-hmm. which was a Robin Anton joint, like a sister group of the Pussycat Dolls. They called out, shout out to my ex as a ripoff of their song, Ugly what? Heart. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's a, it's a, it's a real stretch. But oh, yeah. Okay. It's know. a real stretch, but like it kind of has the same shouty chorus, which I actually think of as like a, it's kind of a little mix signature too. Mm-hmm shout singing the choruses because it's like it the, a lot of their songs are so um anthemic and mm-hmm. they're the because little mix i think you know to the early point about them not being the group of sexy girls that are stealing your boyfriend they're the girls that are there to cheer you on they're mm-hmm. like your best friend mm-hmm. they, like a lot of their and a lot of their music really is that right mm-hmm. it's the songs that you get together with your best girlfriends or your best gay friends you know Mm-hmm. And you just kind of, you, you help each other out, right? They're sort of defiant. You, yeah. And like, you're I like, cheering each other up. Yeah. Cause I like, I like women like me. Uh, not my favorite. Barry. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I mean, woman like me, I think was little mix's best attempt at trying to, sh- um, trying to, um, angle in on fifth harmony. Mm. I mean, I, I, it's, I, I mean, it's, Look, I I don't I don't listen to it often, but it's of their songs. I'm like, oh, I like the song. Which is to say, though, that like Little Mix has with Nicki Minaj, always, yeah. But Little Mix has always fancied themselves as an R and B group, mm. and which I can see. I can see through their vocals individually. Mm. I can see that that's their aspiration, but not necessarily through their music. Yes, and I think that that's like a British thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's like a British, uh, like a, I think British, it's a British pop thing. Yeah, it, it's it's the British pop def. It's like the British demarcation between what is pop and what is R and B musically, mm-hmm. not vocal performance wise. And mm-hmm. so, "Woman Like Me" was the first time that I ever heard a Little Mix song and was like, "Oh, like they're trying to get into like American R and B, and they're trying to do something to me that is more of a Fifth Harmony song." I thought it was that or like an Ariana Grande song. Cause it's like around the same time as like, cause it's like the same thing, right? When Ariana Grande did like side to side and you know, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, it's like you that. get Nicki Minaj in yeah. the studio with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It has to kind of be like that. Yeah. I guess I do. I guess I never think about that with Ariana Grande. I, I think of the more direct comparison to fifth harmony because mm-hmm. fifth harmony also kind of a nondescript group of girls. Except for Camila. But, Except for Camilla, yeah. who although departed. although they do have that, they do have that iconic video, the work from home video, where they're uh, all of them have tools and they're just like <laughs> on a construction site and they're just like 
banging the tools on a tractor, like a like a <laughs> like an excavator. And like one girl has a hammer and she's just like pounding the tire. <laughs> like it make do you know this? You don't know this? <laughs> they're like they're like singing sexy about work, work from home or whatever. And they're literally just like one is like there's like a chisel or something like on the excavator bucket. Like it's it makes uh. no sense. Like they're just like well, listen, I, mean, I know, but it's funny. No, I said it's iconic. Because... I can hardly, I can hardly functionally use a tool when I'm trying to use it. So if I was trying to be sexy and dance while using a tool, it would just be, just I'd like probably give myself a Hammering a tractor tire. <laughs> I mean, the, at least, you know, that's something where they were likely to not do any damage. Yeah. If someone I, was like, hammer this piece of metal for 45 minutes, yeah. probably. But I do, I do think, yeah, that, yeah. Anyway, okay, but but anyway. I'll, I'll, I will I will put women like me on the playlist. I will do that. You know, on on their latest effort, confetti breakup song, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. I did like the song holiday. Uh huh. Yeah. I hearted I hearted the song happiness. Wait, what is happiness on this on again? Oh, yeah. All of their vocals, the melodies always sound vaguely familiar. Yeah, I think it's funny. Happiness is like... much more of a Euro pop song. And this is this is kind of the thing with me though. Like I liked and I liked these songs. I heard I was watching when I was doing the research, I was like watching video performances of them. I didn't realize that I also thought Holiday was breakup song. Not not necessarily that they were the same, but like they didn't stand out necessarily as separate huh. things. And I think because a lot of the performances they put them together. Oh. Like they perform like as a medley. Along with some other stuff. But I it was hard for me to distinguish. I was like, oh, I like some stuff off their new album. I couldn't, I knew Breakup Song, but then sometimes I'd hear Holiday. I was like, oh, I was thinking of this one. Like, anyway. I mean, the, okay. Not trying to shade I, them I, at all. Like, no, I like them. I see your point, but I will say that Breakup Song is, I think the only song on here that strikes me as like decidedly 80s tinged. Da, 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 da. Yeah, almost yeah, everything there's else, a, there's almost everything else is, is, is pretty solidly modern day pop influences mm-hmm. i think i can't tell anyway um i think we need to circle the circle the wagons here well <laughs> i wish we had done more to tell you about little mix themselves unfortunately we know very little about them but i think we were able to you know i think we were able to talk about like why why that is i think it's like, yeah, really why compelling. Do we i think that was yeah. the most compelling thing about this was like both of us trying to do this episode and us coming like constantly just thinking about like why why aren't we interested in this why don't we know who they are Um, yeah because like for in some ways like i'm okay just liking the six songs that i like and just yeah okay that's it like i'll i'll continue to listen to them and that i think that was what i discovered when i started digging into it i was like no i'm good not knowing more (laughs) (laughs) well look i think that for people listening out there that don't know little mix i think that they have in the past decade output an incredible catalog of music. Mm -hmm. I think that everything that they've been given credit for about, you know, developing their harmonies together, developing a rapport together, developing a seemingly genuine friendship with each other. Like all of that stuff is exceptional in the genre of pop girl groups. Like they have superseded almost all other girl groups in some, some respect. In terms mm-hmm. of oh, staying sure. together, in terms of putting out six albums, in terms of, you know, developing their skills together, 
you know, all of it. Like, I think they're truly one of the most exceptional girl groups when you look at like the list of top girl groups worldwide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, even though you might not think of them in the echelon of a Destiny's Child or a TLC. They absolutely are. Do I give the epilogue? I'll give you the epilogue, which is actually, though, I mean, it's important to the story because I don't want people to think that we're not aware of this, Uh that in at the end of 2020, Jesse Nelson did announce that she was leaving the group after, you know, nine or 10 years together. So they Mm -hmm. made it a really long time. And again, as we talked about in the beginning, Jesse Nelson has been the target of a lot of bullying, not from within the group, but from outside of the group for since their time on X Factor together. So Mm -hmm. she really withstood a lot of emotional abuse during that time that, Mm -hmm. you know, she has stated like she is taking the time to step away from the group Mm -hmm. in order to just heal from that. Because I can't imagine what it's like to be grouped together with this group of women and have the entire world look at you and single you out as much uglier or much fatter than them, you Mm -hmm. know? Completely unfairly. I think that Little Mix, at least from what I had seen up to this point, like they genuinely seem to be very, very supportive of each other and whatever anyone is feeling. Yeah. You know, like I don't think that Jesse Nelson, at least from what I could see, it didn't seem like she had ever held it against her bandmates. Well, and she wasn't, she and they would, didn't like leave her on her own to deal with it necessarily. Like, yeah. Really like I think that they were always her. very, very much in defense of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was always what was so charming about them as a group. When we talked about Danity Kane, we talked about Pussycat Dolls, we talked about SWV the the infighting mm-hmm. it, it 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 tarnishes the image yeah ever so slightly you know maybe not to the point that you would no longer like their music but you might not take a second look at like another danity kane song for example or mm-hmm. i might not you might not take a second look at another swv song just because like you might you just get a little bit of the icks you yeah know? it's like yeah yeah, yeah. Turns it's like, off, oh, right? I want to I want to believe you guys are like best of friends. Yeah. Listeners, um, this episode is posting like in like 36 hours. I'm not going to edit this down. I might I might clip out a couple. Moms, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, we talked about aging. Um, certainly you all have aged uh, in, the, in the time that we started this conversation. Uh, but uh we did it I, we did it little mix flop Big. redeemed thanks chris uh <laughs> yeah special thanks to chris for suggesting this yeah special thanks to chris for suggesting this and utilizing our email which i will i will log into uh after this episode special thanks to adam elder as well for composing our theme music songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website flopperdeemer.com please remember to rate review and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice and check us out on social at flopperdeemer on instagram and twitter and at facebook.com slash flopperdeemer and as always like i said email us at flopperdeemer at gmail.com with your hints tips suggestions skincare uh oh yeah tell me if tell me if you've burned yourself with retinol yeah it's probably more common than we think okay bye bye